What was the motivation to get into scouting? I guess I've been analytical mm -hmm. in that area, like even when I was like a, a kid. That's Forte's first touchdown, and he autographed it. That's the Pro Bowl players one year. All those are our picks. So it's Briggs, Nate Basher, Tommy Harris. Two things, the bigger ones on top, mm -hmm. those were gifts from Parcells when we went to the Super Bowls that he gave all the scouts. See, five Bears, the Bears gave us that. That, Ted Phillips gave us his opening night at the new Soldier Field. That's Devin's touchdown in the Super Bowl. Devin autographed that. But this is our, our first draft class. Disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to a new edition of Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia, and I just want to let you know before we start the show that I am super psyched because, in essence, for me, this is the start of the football season. We've got players arriving at Hallis Hall this week, and our coverage is going to be second to none in terms of new programming every day of the week and including Sundays. So it's going to be a tremendous season here for us at the Barroom Network and covering Chicago Bears football. And probably the show I am most excited about because I learned so much every time I am with this man. It is the Gabriel Talks Football Show, starring, of course, Greg Gabriel. Greg, how are you, my man? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing You're, great. Were you upstairs in the kitchen today? I am in the kitchen because I'm making some changes downstairs in this uh, studio. Oh, I thought you were going to say I'm going to make. You're making some food. Maybe you're making dinner early or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, my wife is on vacation with uh, her daughter. They're in Boston for the week, so I'm doing all the cooking myself. So, oh, okay. be before we went live, I had to clear out all the dirty pots and pans. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you did some cooking for yourself, Greg? Oh, I do the cooking here every day, just about. Oh, nice. I, I, I'm the cook in the house. I love My that. wife's the baker, but uh -huh. I'm the cook. Very cool. When was the last time you cooked anything for your daughters? Because I know we have something special to share about your daughters. When was the last time you cooked something for them? The last time they were here. So last summer. Oh, very cool. Been, yeah, I haven't, I haven't physically seen them in a year. Mm -hmm. 
my my kids won't stand for my cooking, so we eat out a lot. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I understand your daughters uh, went to a Garth Brooks concert, and yeah. uh, you wanted to share some pictures. Well, you know, it, it's funny because you know Saturday morning, I did a text from my daughter Kelsey. I have two two daughters, Kelsey and Ryan, that are. Ryan's the one on the left in that picture and Kelsey's the one on the right. They're 13 months apart. And that picture was in 94, March of 94, where, and that's them growing up now, Saturday night. But they, uh, I took them to their first Garth Brooks concert in 1994 at the old odd Memorial Auditorium in Buffalo. And, Kelsey just became a huge fan. Ryan's a fan. Kelsey is like a stalker fan. Uh, so she has seen him. She, he opened up his world tour here. And I think it was what, 2014. Yes. Yeah. At, at Allstate arena. She mm. came here for that. And then the bills happened to be uh, playing that weekend here. So she did a, you know, a double header, saw the bills and the bears and uh, uh, Garth Brooks. And like I, said, I think she's seen them probably a total of 10 times. But anyway, she got tickets and she had decent tickets. And uh, she goes to, um, they get to the stadium. They had a group of six girls who went. And they're at the bar. This is probably a good 40 minutes before the concert starts. And they're at one of the bars in the stadium. And this man walks up to him and he has a, uh, um, garth brooks crew shirt on and mm -hmm. uh he said how many are in your party and uh, kelsey goes six why he goes okay don't any everybody get excited stay calm follow me and he gives them these wristbands kelsey goes where are you going he goes never mind it's a surprise <laughs> takes him down puts him in the first row well they didn't know they they don't sell tickets in the first row they just mm -hmm. pick people out to put in the first row. And if you see 99.9% oh. .9 women. So <laughs> I love it. I get a text from both of them like, mm -hmm. oh my God, we're in the front row. How am I going to live? And, and, you know, so, <laughs> like, so they, uh, so all those, those videos you see, that, that those are taken right from their, their front row there. They're right, right up against the stage. Mm -hmm. And they they just had a ball. So, and they uh, know every and they know every lyric to every song because they're oh, singing yeah, yeah. these videos. It's great. And, and you know, Kelsey sends me a text early Sunday morning. She goes, "I don't have anything to live for anymore. I guess I can die now." <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Listen to some of this. Well, this is I think this is the beginning when he welcomes people. Stuff, great stuff. 
Now, I've actually met Garth a couple of times when I worked at McDonald's Creative. Uh, he did a number of appearances for Ronald McDonald House Charities. He's always been giving back to the community. He is a fabulous human being. Well, that, that's what everybody says. You know, and like I said, my daughter's his biggest fan. And they, they just had a ball. But I'll tell you, you know, he went into retirement. So she was bummed because she wasn't going to be able to see him anymore. So then he comes out of retirement and does that residency at the Wynn out in Vegas. Remember that? And that was just him by himself. There was no mm -hmm. band. Mm -hmm. So one, so I think it was 2012 or 13 or something. And whenever that, you know, it was like the second year of the residency um, for Christmas, we got her tickets to go out to, to Vegas to see him. But, you know, she obviously had no idea that she was getting this. So they, both of my daughters came here for Christmas and they're opening up their presents. And Ryan's got all these nice stuff, you know, sweaters, scarves and all this. And Kelsey opens up and it's a little gift certificate for $5 for McDonald's and another one for $10 for Walmart or something. And she's like, you know, you could see the look on her face. Like what the hell did I do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, Ryan's getting all this nice stuff. So then Robin gives her this envelope. It said, you got one more. So she opens it up and looks at it and it says, Kelsey Vegas Garth. Wow. And she looks at it and she can't figure it out at first. And then she goes, am I going to Vegas to see Garth? And it was like <laughs> Niagara Falls all over the place. Oh, man. What a wonderful moment. You and I were talking briefly before the show starts. There's nothing better than for a father when you share something with your child and it just uh, brings tears and, and, and joy. Uh, that must have been a moment you'll never forget. Oh, no, it was a lot of fun. And I was so happy for her Saturday, uh, you know, Saturday night. She kept sending me those, you know, texts and videos. Uh, in fact, they both were. I mean, they, they both just had a great time. And, uh, uh, you know, originally the husbands were supposed to go. Mm -hmm. And then they booted them and said, no, it's going to be girls night. And mm -hmm. it's, it, the funny thing is, is that if the guys had gone, they never would have had those front row seats. Amazing. Amazing. Well, good for them. I'm so happy that you shared that with us. It's good to know your family. Uh, you, you've got a great family and a beautiful home. Uh, you've also got a lot more work to do because I understand that you are now a member of the Shrine Bowl Advisory Team, the 2023 East-West Shrine Bowl Advisory Team. It's you along with Mark May, uh, the former offensive lineman who had a great NFL career, Jordan Palmer, the quarterback guru, Dane Brugler, who does the outstanding work for the athletic, uh, his draft uh, uh, book, so, so to speak, is called The Beast, and it's outstanding. We all know Bucky Brooks, the analyst over at NFL Network. Will Shields is the uh, Hall of Famer. He's also on this advisory team. Scott McClanahan. No, I got that McLuhan. wrong. McLuhan. Scott McLuhan. I should know that name because uh, I've heard it a, a million times. And, of course, Amy Trask, uh, the former Raiders CEO. And uh, now you see her everywhere, including on CBS Sports. This must be a thrill for you, right, Greg? Well, I, I had done stuff for the East-West last year. So it, it, it's really a continuation of that. Uh, Eric Galco 
who was the player personnel director for the XFL back in 2020 with us and a good friend of mine who I've known a long time. He runs East West now. So that's how I got involved through my uh, friendship with Eric. And then uh, he decided after last year, he wanted to put together an advisory team, asked me if I wanted to be on it. Of course, and of course I would. How can I get a trip to Vegas out of it? <laughs> you know, for the game. But, you know, I mean, there's some there's some really good people there. Jordan Palmer is becoming the, the quarterback guru. Mm-hmm. We all know Bucky Brooks. Uh, you know, I, I've had text conversations with Amy Traskwood. I've never met her in person. I've known Scott McLuhan for, God, 30 years. So uh, I knew Bucky when he was uh, a scout and I'd known Dane for a while. So it, it, it's all people I know. I, I haven't met Jordan Palmer before, uh, but it, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, the, the league is taking a big interest in, in the East West game. And this year, you know how they, they, uh, they had an NFL staff for both the uh, North and South teams at, at the uh, Senior Bowl? Right. Not this year. They're really? at the East, they're at the East West game. Wow. Congratulations. But Eric. what they're gonna do is they're gonna um really flip them every year. So gotcha. a year from now will be the the senior bowl will get the staff, and then the rest is gonna be NFL coaches, but selected coaches from different staffs around the league. Fantastic, fantastic. That is extraordinary. Plus, you've got some other great news. You are now a member of the writing team over at the Windy City Gridiron. I think you've written a couple of articles already. Tell us about that. Well, I, I wanted, you know, I haven't written since 2019 because mm-hmm. then I started, you know, right after the draft in 2019, I started uh, working in the XFL. So I kind of gave away, gave up writing and I haven't done anything since then. And it, I enjoyed it. It's something that I wanted to do. And so I contacted Lester and we were able to put something together. Yeah. Uh, Lester is a great guy. I read the, the first two pieces, outstanding work as always. And then they've got that great feature over at their website where you can actually listen uh, to uh, the article. So while you're driving, uh, if you got some time and if you got the proper setup, don't don't uh, don't lose don't lose the ten and two on the steering wheel. If you got the proper setup, you can listen to that uh, during your travels. Outstanding stuff. Uh, you've been a busy man. Ah, got to do something. There you go. <laughs> well, let's talk about the Chicago Bears. Since we've been away, there's been a lot of news. Um, let's Wait a minute, let's back up a little bit. Please. How was your trip? Oh, I went to San Diego uh, with my wife, and we had such a great time. You know, we're, we're always so busy. She's just kind of made a transition from her corporate job, and she's now in the consulting business. And so she's taken about six uh, to eight weeks off. And so we said during that time, let's spend a lot of time together because during football season, uh, she, uh, she won't be seeing me and uh, during uh, her first few months of this consulting job. I probably won't see much of her. So we had a wonderful time, uh, hit some great restaurants uh, in that area. And uh, it, was, it was just great to get away and not think about uh, the bar room for a couple of weeks. And so I'm fired up and ready to go. This is the first of probably, I'm guessing, 30 consecutive weekly shows that you and I will have. 
And, uh, and again, it's always a joy to work with you because I learned so much about the game of football. And actually, while I was on vacation, I went back and listened to a couple of episodes because you said something to me during one show is, uh, do you remember this? And I'm quizzing you because we talked about it last week and I, and I didn't remember. And I felt like such an idiot. I got <laughs> to start taking notes during this show because you're giving up so much valuable information. And I know a lot of people in the chat room and on social media say the same thing. They listen to the show and they learn so much from you. So it's, it's a joy. And thank you for asking oh, about you. my vacation. Hey, did you go to the, the, there's a, and I can't think of the name of the place now, but it's right next to the aircraft carrier, you know, the Midway aircraft carrier. Yeah. yeah there's that big go. seafood place. Yeah. Did you go no, in there? I did not get a chance to go there. No. Um, but we did hit some other great restaurants, but my wife and I have said, you know, we need to make this an annual trip to that area uh, because we love it so much. And who knows, maybe in four or five years when we're ready to get away from Chicago's cold weather, we'll look. Uh, that part of the country, right? We were actually looking at some homes and, you know, a, a one bedroom is going to be a million dollars. Oh, <laughs> you couldn't pay me enough to live in California. I love the state. It's so mm -hmm. pretty. And that San Diego area is, is gorgeous, mm -hmm. but you can't get, a, a, you know, a, a house the size of my study here would cost $800,000 <laughs> for Christ's sake. I mean, Teddy Monaco works for the the Rams. Was telling me he was looking at some homes and he goes, "I couldn't buy a little tiny little one bedroom for more than about one and a half, and that's like one point five million. And I yeah. said, you know, and then you put in the taxes that you. We think the taxes are high here. Yeah, Forget California. It. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And 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 like gas is twice as expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, I you know I'll visit. I don't want to stay there. Yeah, we, we would only consider going to California if uh, they did something with the taxes and we can get lower housing costs. Because, yeah, that's that's just ridiculous. What well, it isn't about. going down, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is true. Um, all right, let's talk some Chicago Bears. I want to start with the bad news. Um, David Moore, the wide receiver, was arrested. Uh, some gun charges. I, I, frankly, I should have looked up what it, the official charges were. But do you think this is a big deal uh, that uh, – uh, Ryan Poles has had some misfires uh, on some player behavior issues. No, that stuff happens. And, and, you know, it wasn't like this guy was signed to a multi-year contract. He was signed late one year deal. He had some production in the league. I didn't think he was going to even make the team. And I don't know if he's going to be on the team tomorrow. You know, the, in his case, and I did look it up, to refresh myself right before we came on air, mm -hmm. you know, he, he fell asleep at a, like a Taco Bell going through the drive-through. Mm -hmm. And so they called police, police came in they searched the car. He had three guns in there. And, and then he had some THC tainted gummies mm -hmm. that are totally legal here in Illinois. Yes, they are. But uh, I don't know what the, the laws are in Texas, but obviously it's illegal in Texas and the, you know, the, it, it's illegal with the league, but they've, they've been a lot different in treating uh, substances like that, especially marijuana. You know, it's basically a slap on the wrist now with the, with the, with the league. Now, cocaine or something else is a different story, but with marijuana, they, 
you know, it's like, okay, will every state legalize it so we don't have, we can take it off our endangered species list or whatever? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and <laughs> you know, so because the endangered species becomes the player, and you know, most of them are doing it anyway. So, but the gun thing, you know, that's that's bothersome. Okay, one gun. I can understand, but he had three. And if he got arrested with three guns, that means they probably weren't registered or, or whatever. I don't know all the details on that. So yeah. uh, now the other case, who was the other player? He got caught here with a gun in his car. Uh, but in that case, it was registered, but he hadn't registered in Illinois yet. Mm, okay. Okay. So, you know, that was his bad for not registering the uh, the pistol in the state of Illinois, even and he probably thought because it was registered, whatever state he was in, he was good here, but not it has to be re-registered here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Jordan says the player's name was uh, uh, Matt Adams. Uh, right, I, that's I, right. I, the uh, the guy who played for the Colts. Yeah. So exactly. in Indiana, in Indiana, um, he had the the gun registered. Yeah, and so. You know, I think uh, with uh, gun laws becoming, you know, lax for lack of for lack of a better word in so many states, you know, I, I think that the shock of of a player uh, uh, being found ha- possessing a weapon, I think that that shock has has gone away. At least for me personally, it, it is what it is. There's a lot of states now that have uh, concealed laws and and. Uh, and a lot of these players get harassed by people just because of their celebrity status. And you can't blame them for wanting to walk around with a weapon to protect themselves. Or, you know, some people might want to blame them, but I'm not a person. I, you know, I, I, I don't see that. I'm not a gun guy. I don't own a gun. It's probably been 15 years since I, or, or more since I uh, fired a gun. And that was at the FBI range when, you know, we all went over from Hallis Hall. Yes. And um, that's where Olin got in trouble. <laughs> that's why I'm talking. Uh, I know. Um, not the same day, but, you know, we could go over a lot there. And, and you know, we had a good relationship with the SWAT team. Who, uh, that's where they trained. So, you know, but I, 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 I'm not a gun guy. Two of my close friends are, you know, they have pistols. Mm-hmm. And, and stuff, and they, and they go to ranges and and shoot their rifles and stuff. But they don't have nobody I know has an automatic weapon, mm-hmm. and I'm not in favor of those at all. I mean, that's what the hell you need. Not you can't use it for hunting. So what the hell you need one for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, I do have to tell you that you're being a little less than honest because we all know that you've got a couple of guns. <laughs> 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 Look at <Okay>. those things. <laughs> So you do possess some guns. <laughs> now, uh, okay, not pistols. <laughs> okay, gotcha. That's a good clarification. One of the things I wanted to talk with you about was Eddie Goldman. Uh, Eddie Goldman, a, a, a really super interior defensive lineman for the Chicago Bears for a number of years. He held out on the pandemic season. He, he decided to opt out. Uh, and then he came back. Uh, last year, but he was late to training camp and it never looked like he was the same type of player. So he was not re-signed and he was uh, then signed by a different club, uh, the Atlanta Falcons, where his ex-general manager, the man who selected him in the draft, 
uh, brought him uh, to Atlanta, and now he has retired. Your thoughts on Eddie Goldman? You know, great talent, but I don't think he ever totally lived up to the talent. This goes back to when he was at Florida State. Mm -hmm. You know, there was questions about his love of football. And I'm going to get into that later because there's some other players we're going to talk about. But in, in Eddie's case, you know, he, he got the big money in 2019. Then uh, COVID comes around in 220 and they got the opportunity to opt out and he opts out. You know what? It was all over then. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because here's the strange thing. We didn't find out about it until last year. Mm-hmm. He was scared about getting COVID and everything. He never got vaccinated. Mm-hmm. You know, that came out last year. And it's like, you know, so the whole thing to me was like, you know what? He retired after the 2019 season when he got his money. He just didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not that, I, not that I'm being critical. It's that, I, you know, you see that there's players that have strong football character. And then there's guys that are playing for the money. And when you yeah. play for the money, it catches up to you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I remember early in his career with the Chicago Bears, it was a preseason game where he suffered a head injury. Was uh, I think it was his rookie season, and he missed uh, two or three games. I think uh, at, during the season because of this head injury, and I always wondered if that was going to have a lasting effect on him. There are some players who suffered these kinds of injuries, and uh, it becomes kind of a mental thing to get over it. You know, and of course, in that position that they're playing, helmets are knocking uh, quite frequently. That may have had something to do with his uh, diminished love for the game, if that is, in fact, what happened. Yeah, I, I, I can't answer that. I don't think any of us can. Only he mm-hmm. can. And, and uh, But it just it tells you a lot when he signs a contract one week and when, like 10 days later retires. Yeah. Exactly. I don't think he, I don't think he got a signing bonus, and if he did get a signing bonus, he would have had to give it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, he, he got his money here. He, he's probably if if he took good care of that money, got enough money to live on the rest of his life, and 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 have a nice household, etc. So, hey, all, all the best to him. I just you know as as a football player and and what I look for in football players as far as strong football character, I don't think Eddie has it. And that's fine. I mean, you know, we drafted a guy, Michael Haynes, mm-hmm. great guy, great talent. He didn't love football. And if you don't love football, you're not going to make it in this league. You'll yep. get so far. And, and then it's, it's going to catch up. Yep. The demands of the game are so incredible for these athletes. And if you don't love doing it, then yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And fans can spot it pretty quickly too. Uh, so uh, no, his play, to- his play last year was terrible. It's yeah. like he wasn't even on the field. Yeah, he had I think one good game, and I forgot what game that was. But outside of that, uh, his performance really lacked. And but good luck to Eddie Goldman and whatever he's going to do th- with the rest of his life. And uh, what we want to talk about now is Nikhil Harry. He was uh, one of the two acquisitions that I want to talk about today for the Chicago Bears. One was today, and Nikhil Harry was about a week ago the former first-round draft pick for the New England Patriots. What do you think about Harry? Well, I liked Harry coming out. Mm-hmm. Gave him a first-round grade, and, and that was in the last the 2019 draft guide. I was going to pull up the report, and I forgot to do that. 
and, and read it, but I don't know if I got the 19 guide here. Let me look here. Sure. Take a look. No, and we'll no, see some that's not it. Okay. I mean, I, uh, but anyway, I, uh, big talented guy. He's not that fast. I think he ran 452, 453 at the combine. I don't even think he's that, you know, he doesn't play that fast. Uh, he's a big possession receiver. You know, I'm not, there's people that are like jumping for joy over the signing or trade, really. And, and I was like, waste of a seventh round pick. Because if you're going to give him away for a seventh round pick in 2024, mm-hmm. that tells you he was going to get waived. Yeah. You know, it may, I, I don't know if it would be before camp or during camp, but he wasn't going to be on their roster. And, you know, this is a first-round pick that had a lot of money tied up in, and it just didn't pan out. Now, granted, New England can be a very tough place to play. It's a difficult offense, and Bill Belichick is very demanding. Mm-hmm. So, and and so is uh, Josh McAndrews. So he, or Josh McDaniels, excuse me, he, um, you know, I just don't think he fit in there. And he never played up to that potential. Now he does have the ability to be that big X receiver, mm-hmm. but you know, I said on Twitter, I got a waste of a seventh round pick. And here's why I love, you know, somebody said, Oh, it's only a seventh round pick. Who cares? Let me tell you something. You go ask any general manager a week before the draft, how many sevenths you want. And he'll tell you to a person as many as I can get. Yeah. Because they they are worth their weight in gold as far mm-hmm. as uh, you get to that seventh round and there's there's guys on the board that you like and mm-hmm. and you say it, you only could take one and then you got to uh, you know compete for the rest of these guys in free agency. Well, that takes away the competition part. Draft them mm-hmm. and free agency costs a lot of money now, but to get the guys you really want. What are you doing? Fiddling with the Sounders? Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I I had I unplugged my uh, carbon monoxide detector so I could set up my light. And We're not gonna, don't die on me here because you, <laughs> you got too much carbon monoxide. Because I don't know if I could do this thing all by myself. Here. Oh yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you were saying now something about Harry that a lot of people have been talking about is. Is he perhaps better suited for the tight end position? Is that something worth entertaining? I tell you, one thing he does good is block. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's never played that in tight. He could maybe, and I say maybe because he hasn't done it. I think New England has, has used him in that situation like a slot guy, so more like the the, the flex move tight end. Mm-hmm. Could you, he's 230 pounds, 235 right. pounds. Um, could you use him in that? Yeah. With his blocking. Yes. And, and he'd probably be a weapon. Uh, you know, we'll find out Wednesday or whenever the, the media can, they get on the field and, and the media can see where he's lining up. If he's lining up at, as an X or he's lining up at tight end, or, or maybe they're going to do both with him mm-hmm. if they can figure it out. But I, you know, I think part of the problem is he had is, is the, New England offense is so complex. He just, you know, didn't pick it up as quickly as they want. It, Bill's not going to play if he doesn't trust you. Right. And so right. that's what I got down to. So 
it, right now I'm in, uh, you know, Missouri. I'm in the show me mood. Well, you know, with him, and and he's got to show me he can play because up till now he's been a disappointment. And this guy was a first, I mean, a legitimate first round pick. But there were some questions. What we know when you watch tape and you don't make a school call, all you're looking at is the talent. You don't know anything about the character, right? And there were, was questions about his football character. So that's like an Eddie Goldman thing. Now, is it, you know, does he really love the game? Uh, does he put in? everything that is needed. Now let's compare that to say Darnell Moody. And I'm sure you saw Dan Pompey's article about Darnell Moody dudes over at Alice Hall at midnight, mm-hmm. you know, working out, watching tape and, and the game is important to him. He loves to play this game and he wants to be the best. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who's five foot 10, 180 pounds Mm-hmm. Soaking wet, hundred and eighty pounds. That's right. You know, and <laughs> he'll do anything to get on the field. And here you got another guy who's, you know, they listed him at six five. He's really six three, six three, two hundred and thirty pounds, two hundred and thirty two pounds, and big long arms, huge hands, and it's like he's going through the motions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're, they're, know, I'm going to take. Give me ten Darnell Moonies. Yeah. I saw some tape of Harry uh, embarrassingly uh, trying to catch a ball where he, he got the alligator arms uh, thing. And so th- th- that's concerning. Although I do agree with a couple of the comments here in uh, the chat. One of them is that um, Harry is better than any seventh round wide receiver. I have to, I have to, speculate that that is probably the case that your odds of finding a productive wide receiver and in the seventh round are probably not much better than Nikhil Harry. Um, I, yeah, I can, I can say that. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I can agree with that, but you're not necessarily going to take a wide receiver with that seventh round pick. I mean, there's true. When the draft, the last year of the draft was eight rounds. I was with the Giants. We drafted a guy named Jesse Armstead, a linebacker out of Miami Mm -hmm. in the eighth round. He became a pro bowler, Mm -hmm. a multi-time pro bowler. You know, so there's good players out there. I said, I want as many seventh round picks as I can get. And the Bears Bears had three of them this this past season. Uh, So my, my thought is, you know, it's not that easy to it's not that difficult to acquire seventh round picks. I mean, they can tra- they can trade a six and pick up two seventh rounders, kind of thing, or three seventh rounders if you well, toss depends. in something. Well, I mean, it, it, it depends where you got to have a partner. You know, I mean, <laughs> yes. okay. So to say it's easier said than done, and mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, they're done for a reason, and and you got to wait till draft day to see if certain things happen and then teams might be willing to depart with that, you know, there might be a guy that, that he's not as interested or, or his roster is pretty much set. Right. So he doesn't care, but I've always been of, of the idea that I want as many as I can, because it's going to help me with the, after the, I'm going to get all the guys I want mm-hmm. and I don't have to compete for money wise. Because yeah. you know now you look at these these free agent contracts, the undrafted mm-hmm. free agent contracts. It used to be you gave five thousand, two thousand. You know somebody might get twelve. 
Okay, now then they changed it and they had a pool, and the pool goes up every year. And but that pool's your signing bonus money. Mm-hmm. It's only X amount of dollars. It's a little over a hundred thousand dollars. And the so if you sign 20 guys, you know, you could divide that up. Let's say it's five thousand dollars a piece, but somebody's gonna want some big money. But what the agents have done to circumvent that bonus pool cap Mm -hmm. is get partially guaranteed contracts. And if you look, if you ever look at the waiver wire, guys are waived and it has in parentheses underneath their name, partially guaranteed contract. And they, so if you pick that up, if you pick the guy up off the waivers, you're now you got to guarantee him might be 150,000. It might be 200,000. It might be Mm 75,000, but the guy's getting money. Yeah. And, more often than not, the guys with that guaranteed money, even though it's a partial guarantee, are the guys that are on your practice squad because it offsets mm-hmm. if they get cut. Yeah. And, and another thought that I, I, I kind of agree with, I hear what you're saying. Uh, Larsonette says, I think it made sense to trade our seventh, seventh to ensure we got him. We need the depth. And I hear what you're saying about, you know, he was probably going to go on waivers. Why not wait till then? But isn't it important to try to get a guy like this into camp as quickly as possible, even if it does cost you a seventh rounder? Yeah. But what if he doesn't make your team? Now you're, <laughs> you're out the player and you're out. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a gamble there. Sure. But yeah, I, I get that because now he's got, the whole camp to learn the offense versus maybe a week, maybe two weeks, or maybe it takes him into mid season before he's really ready to go. Mm-hmm. And he's using up a roster spot because you, you claimed about waivers or whatever. So yeah, I, I get all that. It, it's worth, I, I see that it's worth the investment. I'm not so sure from what he has shown to date. Mm-hmm. His his best year was his rookie year. It's been downhill since. Yeah, yeah. Now part of that is he he wasn't you know the New England Patriots weren't loving them, so they weren't playing them. And now it, it you know it was cheap for them to get rid of them. But does the guy have talent? Yes. And does he? You know, personally, I think Equinemius St. Brown is a more talented and better player. Yeah, no. I don't think I don't think there's you know, an argument there. And 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 more athletic. And they're both big. Equinemius is six five, probably two hundred and twenty pounds. This guy's six three. In fact, he measured at the combine six two and seven eighths. Mm-hmm. And he's a little over two thirty. Uh now if you can find a role for him uh as a move tight end and combination wide receiver, uh, and he can block, so he's got some toughness to him. Because uh, if you if you're not if you're not going to be if you aren't tough, mm-hmm. you aren't going to be worth a damn as a blocker. And yep. he, he is a pretty good player. That might be the best part of his game right now. Well, you know, wh- one of the things that I thought about it immediately when I heard the name uh, that Harry was coming to the Bears is I thought maybe the Bears are looking for an Alan Lazard type player. Now, Harry doesn't have the speed of Lazard. Not that Lazard is is a burner by any means, uh, but maybe they're looking for somebody in that offense, a really good blocking wide receiver who can make tough catches over the middle. Well, 
I'm not so sure he can make the. I'm positive, in fact, that he's he doesn't have the receiving radius that EQ has or uh, Lazard. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you go back and you look at a lot of his catches, go back to college and his pro tape. A lot of the catchers are right in here. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a couple up here, but he doesn't have that big, huge. Uh, extended receiving radius that some of the top guys got. Pringle makes catches all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a very large receiving radius. And so does Darnell Moody. Got yeah. a great receiver, you know, for a little guy. But this guy, it's more, he's 6'3", and he's playing 6'1", because he, he doesn't always extend. You know, mm-hmm. and he's got long arms, but he's not using them to his advantage all the time. Yeah. And I know I'm being overly critical because, you know, I'm not totally sold on it. And I, you know me, I've, I've been very positive with most of the moves that that Ryan has made. And I get it. Hey, let's, he might have liked him coming out of college. And, you know, the old phrase I used to say when we were working there is like, I want to be the one to cut him. Okay, they didn't get, they didn't get anything out of him. Maybe I can. Yeah. Uh, something that we've heard a lot of in the past. Uh, take a look at this play here. They actually, uh, Belichick had Harry on the punt return team, and he lets the ball drop right in front of him, <laughs> and that created a turnover. Uh, why Belichick would have Harry on the punt return Well, team. he was a decent returner in college. Oh, interesting. But yeah, I did yeah. not think, you know, and I, I did not think looking at his return tape, and this is going back, you know, when he was coming out, when I wrote mm-hmm. him up, mm-hmm. I, I thought at best he was a backup returner at the NFL level, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, th- there was no reason for that. And, no. and he, he actually misjudged the ball in the air. Mm-hmm. It's like he was afraid of the ball and it did hit him by the way. So it was a turnover. Uh, well, hopefully whatever problems he's had in the past uh, can be rectified and he becomes a, a sleeper for this Chicago Bears team. Now, the other uh, big acquisition today, and people are immediately inserting him in, into the starting row at the right guard position. Calm down. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. It's like, whoa, hold on here. The guy is good. Uh, I, you know, w- w- when it came out that he got the, – the- uh, is it Schofield? Is that how you say his name? Michael Schofield III. Schofield, okay. He, you know, they're treated like it just got a pro bowler. <laughs> yes. Well, you know how you tell how good a player is? Look at his contracts. <laughs> That's right. And three years ago, he was making decent money. He was making mm-hmm. like, or four years ago, like $3 million or something. Mm-hmm. The last two years, and now the Chargers got rid of him once mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And then he goes to Carolina. He's at Carolina for the 20 season. Mm-hmm. And he makes like um, a million one or a million 50,000, something like that. And then last year he's back with the Chargers did not start right off the bat because I went and looked at tape last night and became the starter. And, and the guy's a decent player. There's, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, he he's better than what they have, but I, in, in that he's got experience. I think his strong suit is pass protection. He's a pretty good pass blocker. 
not so sure about the run blocking only because I just haven't seen as much as I want to see yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's a big guy, he's strong. He's listed at 301. He looks a lot bigger than that. He's about six five and a half, six six. But I think if 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 you look and listen to everything these guys have said, mm-hmm. to me, this is a depth piece just in case these young guys don't work out. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and now is he going to be inserted right away as the starter or right guard? Maybe. I you know. But I, I think they want to they want to know if the young guys can play. You got a second round money in, in, invested in Tevin Jenkins, you know. You want to see if he can play. You drafted uh, the kid from San Diego State uh, in in the sixth round. You want to see if he can play, you know. Mm-hmm. So, do I think he makes a squad? Absolutely, he makes a squad. Uh, is he going to be a starter? I think we'll know that at the end of the preseason because I think if it's even, they go with the younger guys. Yeah. And right now, I mean, if, if you put Jenkins in at guard, I'm going to tell you right now, he's a better run blocker. I mean, that that's what he does really good. And if he has a fault in pass protection, that fault could maybe go away playing him inside at guard because now, you know, you don't have to take on wide speed. He does have some versatility. He played uh, with the Chargers, that tackle and guard position. He went to the Super Bowl um, uh, in his second year, I believe. He had uh, he was well, he's been the, he's been with like three different clubs or maybe exactly four. exactly. And he was part of oh. the Chargers team that allowed only eighteen sacks in the season and the NFL best. Uh, but at the same time, it seems like. Uh, when he left the Chargers is when his career sort of grounded to a halt. He uh, and and perhaps he's better at this outside zone uh, technique that the Bears are going to be running because that's what they played with the Chargers and uh, did not play with Carolina and Denver, the two other teams that he played with. Right. Well, I'm it, confusing it, those. No, I I I know what you're saying, and again, but you look again at the contracts and that's his value in the league because you're always studying the tape of players. You, you've always got a ready list of guys out on the street in case of injuries or whatever, or a situation like this, you want to bring in a, a couple guys, you know, before the start of camp. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this guy's a local guy. He's had, you know, good success in the league. Not great success, but he, he started a number of games. I mean, he started over 80 games in the league. To do that is – that's five years of starting yeah. in the league, okay? Yeah. And and that that's a lot of games. So he has a lot of experience. And like I said, the guy, I think the guy's a pr- pretty damn good pass protector. And the one thing I noticed last night when I was watching tape, he's very, very aware. Mm. You know, so his his head's always moving and looking, and he does a good job you know, helping out if he's free and somebody else needs him help or picking up loop stunts and things like that. He does a very good job. So that part, he's strong. I mean, and he, he's going to help the team in that area. Again, the, the run game, I'm not so sure. Uh, but, you know, the Chargers had a pretty decent run game last year and, and you know, he was part of that uh, offense. So we'll, we'll see. I, you know, I like the signing, but I, I, you know, I'm not going to 
jump up and down and do cartwheels like like some people are doing because he's just you know he's a small piece to the puzzle and what would be a better happenstance for the bears is if one of these young guys wins the job mm-hmm. and he's your and he's a quality versatile backup i'm with you there i'm 100 percent with you there um you you talked about uh, teams having these lists, which is a good segue to what I wanted to devote the next 10, 15 minutes to, which is what is it that pro personnel departments have been doing leading up to the start of training camp? What are they doing now? And what are they preparing for into the season? I'm fascinated well, by that whole process. They've got to be looking for talent, right? So how does that work? Tell, tell, well, give me an inside look. Nothing's changed. They're doing the same thing all along. You know, you have you have your when you get into free agency, obviously there there's people you're doing a lot of work on that you have interest in, but you've always you've got a constant ongoing process of evaluating other players in the league. Players that you think, you know, you look at rosters like he might get cut. He might get cut. So you know, you've got say an ongoing report and you always got just like you have a board mm-hmm. uh, and, and the draft for the draft, you've got a board for pro players and, and you just, you know, you stack them top to bottom as far as priority. So, okay, this guy's the best right tackle. This guy's the next right tackle, etc. And so that's, that's what they're doing. You know, they, they keep going over that, uh, you're looking at rosters. Now, one thing, the Bears can potentially help themselves with waiver acquisitions through training camp and then in, through the first three games of the season. Mm-hmm. They've got the sixth priority, I think, or is it seventh priority, something like that. Yeah. And um, with that, you know, obviously the teams who, who were above them in the draft have the priority ranking above them, but still they're not going to grab everybody. Mm-hmm. And there could be somebody or three or four players, whatever, that really jump out at you. And it's they'll say it's well worth the claim mm-hmm. to bring these guys in because of what we have on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that board of players, pro players that they've ranked, are they ranking every player in the NFL or are they ranking players who are susceptible to being cut because of roster, contract, uh, etc.? You know, that's a great question. And it's really both. The, you, well, put it this way. You got a guy that just signed a multi-year extension. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do much on him. Right. <laughs> okay. Not today. But now I, I, I talked about this once before and it, it carries over. There's going to be guys you like coming out of college. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you wanted to draft or you had a good grade on and, and you just never had that opportunity because of the way the, the draft fell. And so now it's a year later, two years later, or maybe it was a kid just from this past draft that, because you like them coming out, you say, wait a minute, you know, there's a reason why we like them now. And in this case, it's going to be Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham 
really because you know they were at two separate places. They were at Philadelphia and and Kansas City last year. It's not like you had. They don't care really what last year's um, Bears regime felt about the college players. So mm -hmm. it's what these guys felt, and so there's that. And and then you're also you're starting to make your book. You've got a preliminary list of who the guy whose contracts are up next spring. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you're going to grade those guys. Yeah. And are they, are those guys going to be, you know, worth going after next spring in free agency. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with the amount of money that the, the bears have, that could be, you know, a very important part of building this team. Now, my gut tells me that they're not going to go crazy spending just because they have all that money. I think he's going to you know, do more than he did this year, but I think that, you know, he's going to be, he's going to find the right guys, put it that way. You know, he's going to be selective. Um, tell so me I about those. Where, I'm sorry. I, I think that's where Ryan Pace got a little careless and he bit against himself and, and, and overpaid for some guys. Yeah. I, I think Ryan Poles is going to be a lot more. So I shouldn't say a little bit more, a lot more selective. Hmm. Tell me about the relationship between the college scouting department and the pro personnel department. It seems to me that there has to be really good communication about what are the strengths of the upcoming draft, about what are the strengths and weaknesses of potential NFL free agents coming? There's, there's got to be some really good dialogue going on there. Am I right or wrong? Well, first of all, what, what the file of all the reports that were written on a guy in college, that gets, you know, you push a button that gets shifted over to the pro side, okay. you know, once the draft is over. So you have all the college reports mm -hmm. on, on the pro side. Um you know, the league has changed a lot. When I first came into the league and, and really the, my whole time with the Giants, we did pro work during the summer. So once the draft was over and through training camp, we did nothing but pro work. Mm -hmm. And go to preseason games. I'd go to one or two preseason games every week. You know, I was with the Giants. And and part of that is because you just, the availability or quick availability of game tape wasn't like it is now. Now you have you have it the next day, you know, because mm -hmm. the, uh, everything is digitized. And so you have it very, very quickly. And the need to send guys to games all the time isn't it, there might be a reason you want it. You want to see a guy in person for a specific reason, but you're going to have all the tape right in front of you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, while you're still going to some games, it's not as anywhere near as much. There used to be 15, 20 scouts at every preseason game you know, back, back in the day. And that, that there are scouts there now, but not as many. Now, when we, when I came to Chicago here, our pro department and our college department were separate things. The college guys didn't do pro and the pro guys didn't do college. The only guy who did both was me. Hmm. And, and I only did pro when I was asked to do it. Mm -hmm. 
you know, as it wasn't, you know, and the pro department, there was three guys in the pro department and, uh, you know, they divvied up the teams. One guy had the AFC, one guy had the NFC, and then the other guy was like an over the top. And, you know, he was the director and, and, um, and then Jerry obviously looked at a lot of pro tape. And then, you know, when you get near free agency, you got the, you get the coaches involved too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. I got distracted here by a question from Mr. Shorty. Um, I'm not sure. Well, let's let, let me put it up. Um, he, he asked if you previously discussed how compensation picks work. If not, he would love some clarity. I think everybody in the world would love to have clarity over how these compensation picks work because isn't the formula somewhat of a secret? There isn't any true clarity on who's going to get a comp pick. No, there's people that come pretty close, but it's basically what you've added minus what you lost. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's what you lost minus what you added, you know, because it could work both ways. And put it this way, if you lost more than you added, Mm-hmm. Then you're due compensation picks, but there's a there's a bunch of butts in there. Exactly, Con- <laughs> contract is huge. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know you look at it and people write it. Oh, that's big enough. He's gonna, we're going to get a third round pick, maybe because the player because now honors meeting all pro Pro Bowl stuff like that play time injuries all are taken into consideration. Mm-hmm. So if, if you lose a guy, he signs a big contract and the first game he tears his ACL, he's out the rest of the year. You know what you're getting for that guy in compensation? Nothing. Zero. Cause he didn't do anything, yeah. you know, so that, that flushes that out. And so, you know, for people to say that, Oh, we're going to get a third, we're going to get a fourth. That's not necessarily true. You got to let the whole thing play out and and see what they did. And they can they can overplay their contract, mm-hmm. and that helps the team that lost them, yeah, a little bit. So th- those factors, you know, they're never talked about when people tweet these things about the contracts. But they have the league office is looking at it, and they know exactly how that that formula works. Uh, now the, his question: Do we got any comp picks coming next year? Right now, I don't think so. Yeah, it doesn't look that way. Um, no, he didn't. They didn't really spend a lot. And they didn't really lose a lot. And right. after the cutoff, like you would think, the money that that um, um, who was it? The, the, the couple of the guys got. Well, they signed them after the date, after the drop dead date. Some of the you couple know, Akeem, of the team Hicks got some pretty good money. But right. Akeem Hicks got the money after the date closed, and that was like the day after the draft. Right. So anytime you sign a guy in June or you sign a guy at the end of May, mm-hmm. it, it that you know that's when guys like Akeem Hicks get signed. Mm-hmm. And Jordan points out in the chat that OverTheCap.com probably is the best website to get all of that detailed information. They've got right on 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 the home page of their website they've got a link to that whole the whole explanation i've actually tried to read it two or three times but that's that's 
That gets me. I, I, I can't understand it. Can't, why don't they make this and taxes easier to do? <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand all the complexity. Yeah, that's why they got, they got jobs. They make it complicated. <laughs> it creates jobs. There you go. <laughs> good good, uh, good, good for the economy. Uh, exactly. All right. Uh, we need to talk about Robert Quinn because all eyes are going to be on when veterans uh, are, are scheduled to report later this week. All eyes are going to be Tomorrow. on whether tomorrow on Tuesday. Uh, and so if he doesn't show up, what do you think happens, Greg? Well, I have no reason to believe he's not going to show up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if he doesn't show up, he's already making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So why don't you show up? A lot of times you don't show, either to force a trade. Well, there's nothing he has said or done to the best of my knowledge, mm-hmm. where he's trying to force a trade or he's unhappy. Mm-hmm. Hell, he had his best season in his career here last That's year. Right. And right. and this defense should be even better for him. Mm-hmm. You know, the design of this defense. He won't have to drop in the coverage at all. Um, yeah, d- does he want to get with a contender? Well, yeah, so is another 500 players. That's right. <laughs> you know, so, and he's got to understand that, and I'm sure he does, that, you know, reporting days tomorrow, if you don't report, you're under contract, start getting fined every day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Used, I'm not 100% sure of this. Used to be you, when you're late, you know, you could work out something with the guy and you could rescind those fines. Mm-hmm. I think it's in the CBA now that those fines are unrescindable. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it's like, hey, you're supposed to be here. You better be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like, don't come to minicamp. Is it a, for, there's always a big thing. Was it a forgiven or unforgiven absence? In other words, was did he have permission to miss minicamp? He did not. Okay, so then you get fined for each day you miss, mm-hmm. and that isn't getting rescinded. You're getting fined that money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. So, do I think he's going to be a bear? Yes. Do I think he's going to be a bear past the trade deadline? I don't know because I don't know what the Bears are going to be coming the trade deadline. I think that'll play into it. Right. Well, he is uh, 32 years old. Turn turned 32 on May 18th. Um, and in today's day and age of NFL football, you got to believe he's got two or three years of NFL football left at a fairly high level, given he's coming off 18, 18 and a half sacks uh, season. Uh, and that most of those sacks were without Khalil Mack in the lineup. So you can't say that, oh, everybody was paying attention to Mack, and so Quinn had a free road. Oh, Mack only back. played, what, five games last year? Five games, I believe it was, five or six. And so I, I believe that if Quinn wants to capitalize from a contract standpoint, he should come back to the Bears, get another 15-sack season under his belt, and he still – could uh, fetch a lot of money uh, the following season, whether it's well, he's got more than one year. I think he's got a couple of years left on his deal, and, mm-hmm. and and actually, when you look at the deal, it's it's a re- very reason. It's a fair deal. It's a reasonable deal, which uh, is why he may be not coming to camp. Well, Maybe he wants more money. 
<laughs> yeah, but we if he does, we haven't heard that. Correct. And so now here this guy just said he's going to have a down year. He always does. No, that, that, stats always, have been up and down. Yeah, that, you know? that, that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I understand what people are saying, but you know what? I, you've known me long enough that I'm the glass is half full. Yes, indeed. Okay. So, and, and one thing Quinn does do is he takes care of his body, mm-hmm. keeps himself in excellent shape. And by the way, I was wondering, did, are you a track and field fan at all? Uh, a little bit. Uh, well, I was, well, you know, it's the world championships for out in Oregon. Yeah. All last week. But, you know, his sister who ran for what the Bahamas, I think, last year yes. and won some medals at the Olympics. She was mm-hmm. not competing this year. And I wonder if she was injured. But oh, that's for another day. Yeah. Because I was looking to see if, if she was competing and she wasn't. Yeah. Uh, Jasmine Camacho Quinn uh, is and she won the gold in the women's 100 meter hurdles at the Tokyo games. She set an Olympic record time in the process. Uh, so it's interesting. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll yeah. World record was set in the hundred meter hurdles yesterday mm-hmm. by a woman from Jamaica. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I love, uh, love to see those prestige track and field events. Those are always fun to watch. Well, I, I, you know, I, I think I said it on the show last fall. I said, He's got to have a good year. He's got to keep up with his sister. Even, <laughs> That's right. You, you've got in-house competition going on here. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> That's great. All right. Uh, expectations for Justin Fields going into this season. Let's lay down some realistic expectations. Of course, if you spend any time at all on social media, Justin Fields is going to have 40 touchdown passes. He's going to rush for 800 yards. He's going to have a passive completion record uh, percentage of 80% and so forth. That's all, of course. Yeah, but I also read that he's going to throw more interceptions than anybody. And yeah, Mm. you know what? Although I don't read any of that, listen to it or care. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you want to see growth. Right. You want to see him better. The arrow going up. Mm-hmm. He's going better than he did a year ago. He's more comfortable. He he can make plays within this offense. He's gotten better at reading defenses. Gets the ball out of his hand quicker. Uh, that's what you want to see. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's not the Bears' record isn't going to be based on what Justin Fields does. That's part of it. It's not all of it. There's 22 guys on the field. You know, it's what those guys do too. Yeah. And so the defense has got to come up, you know, this is a, a player friendly defensive scheme. Mm-hmm. So they, they've got to do their part and, you know, let's face it. Defense gets a lot of accolades, but the defense didn't play where the shit last year. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, they gave up. There, there's times the Bears could have won games and the defense gave it away. Yep. And yep. so, yeah, you got it. The defense got to play better. Justin Fields got to play better. But that's, you know, he was a rookie playing in a screwed up offense behind a offensive line that was, you know, killed by injuries. So you didn't have that, that cohesiveness. And for whatever reason, they didn't use one of the best receivers in football and Allen Robinson, you know, they, they kept him out of the game plan. And so, you know, let's, 
let's see. I, I'm in a wait and see mode. I want to see what they do in camp. Now, I'm not expecting big numbers in, in preseason games in the three preseason games only because I know they're not going to show a damn thing. It's going to be basic first down, second down, third down football. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to see that stuff in, in training camp, but the the games themselves, they don't want anything going on tape. And I think that's one of the reasons he didn't want to, that coach Flus didn't want to have a practice against another team. Mm-hmm. He wants to keep everything in-house this year because, you know, what they're going to do, you can use the Colts tape from last year to say, okay, the, they're going to do this on defense. But they don't have the same players the Colts have, and so they're going to do some things a little bit differently. Basically, the scheme is the same, but are they going to you be in the same coverages or this – uh, do the same blitzes in certain down and distance situations. Not mm-hmm. necessarily true because your players are different. Right. And the same th- same thing with the offense. You know, you could go back and you could look at Green Bay tape if you want, but hell, Aaron Rodgers isn't playing quarterback. Mm. They didn't have Adams playing wide receiver. You know, so it – and you've got a quarterback that is way more athletic than Aaron Rodgers – and can make plays with his feet and, and do some things. So it's how are they going to run this offense to play to the strengths of Justin Fields? Mm-hmm. All right. I have asked people in the chat for their questions. Let's knock some of these out. Uh, what are your opinion? What's your opinion on the Bears' new orange helmets? Or for that matter, just the orange outfit that they'll be wearing for a couple of games. Well, I know one thing. Players really like them. And they have a vote on this. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, personally, I like it. I like it a lot. I, I've seen some ideas. They should have the, you know, the bear logo on the helmet. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whether ownership wants to go with that, who knows? Because they, they like the, the C. Um but personally, I, I love the orange jerseys. I know when we first started using them when I was here, uh, the orange helmet is new. Um, I think it's 50-50 on, on the fans. But, you know, a lot of it, too, is about who's going to go out and buy an orange jersey and who's going to go out and buy a, an orange helmet, a replica helmet, et cetera. And uh, a lot of people will, so that's going to make money. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of uh, fans have mixed uh, opinions about this. Just in the chat, my uh, yeah, I can uh, I, I, I I can see them. I personally, I like them. But hey, mm-hmm. everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I mean, you know, absolutely. And we were trolled by the Cleveland Browns uh, social media account uh, saying that we copied their helmet color, uh, and so I hate being trolled by the Cleveland Browns. But uh, they don't. I don't think they they don't have that that bright orange. No, it, it's that definitely more of a flatter orange. Yeah, more manure orange. Yeah. <laughs> okay, back to our questions. We got um, this one here from Emil. Uh, actually, that's, that's not a question. That's an opinion. Uh, let's go to Jordan. Uh, thoughts on Jaquan Brisker not being signed. Any blame to be assigned to Cliff Stein and the Bears for not just handing over $110,000? 
No, whenever I looked at the, the status of contracts last week and there was an abundance of second round picks mm-hmm. that hadn't signed yet. And then Christian Watson signed his and no, it, it it's all about um, guarantees. Mm-hmm. The slot doesn't change. The total dollar figure doesn't change. The right. only thing that can change is the guarantees. And right. so there, there's a uh, there's a hassle on the guarantees. It'll get done. I, I, you know, it's a talking point and people want to worry about it and have something to... So if he misses a couple of day, days, so what? He was here mm-hmm. for the whole... It's not like he wasn't here in the off-season program. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he's a new guy that's got to start from scratch. Personally, I think it'll be done by tomorrow. That's my mm-hmm. own... You know... The, I know how Cliff operates. Cliff is very easy to deal with. I mean, he's a tough negotiator, mm-hmm. but he's not going to shove it in your face. This is the final deal if you don't like it. And that's what was going on like when they had the Roquan mm-hmm. Smith holdout a few years ago. Cliff will do everything within his power to get a deal done, but he's not going to – because everything's slotted the agent's – you know, they say, well, the guy picked above got X amount of dollars in his fourth year guaranteed. So I want at least that or, or mm-hmm. try to get a little more. And, you know, so that that's what it's about. And, and it's really it's minimal. It'll get done. It'll get done in a timely process. And he'll be a good football player. Baralissimo in the chat uh, is saying that Jalen Petrie has a fully guaranteed third year on his contract, and that probably has, uh, according to some uh, Mr. Shorty and others in the chat room, that probably has agents licking their chops, uh, thinking that they can get guaranteed third year contracts on uh, their players. Well, and, uh, you know, I read today that it was the the, the concern isn't the third year; it's the fourth year. Because rookie contracts go are for rookie draft choices are four years. Right. And so, uh, you know, somebody said they're counting on him to be a starter right from the start. Yeah, but don't forget, the season doesn't start for seven weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay? We still got a long way to go here. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, 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 if you miss a couple days, yeah, people get antsy. You know, it used to be – when I started in the league, mm-hmm. there were so many down. You, you'd have over a dozen between veterans and rookies because you didn't have a rookie pool or a rookie salary cap, and you didn't have the regular salary cap. And you'd have you know, eight, nine veterans, three or four rookies all holding out. And we were doing double sessions. And, and the veterans, they wanted to hold out. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to go through double sessions. So it's like, okay, I'm going to take off uh, that two weeks leading up to the first game. I'll take off the first. Okay, I'm. I'll get this settled after the first preseason game or second preseason game. It's not like you know that veteran needs six weeks of preseason. Mm-hmm. You know, so you could almost you almost knew exactly when guys were going to come in. You know, and especially if it's a guy that you know, you know, you can't live without type player, not right. a marginal player. A marginal player is going to be there. 
Speaking of unsigned players, Roquan Smith uh, is in the final year of his contract, and Mr. Shorty is asking, is Roquan not signed because he wants Sam money? And they are are playing him at the will position. Uh, this the difference in linebacker positions does that factor? Sam, Sam's Sam's out of the least paid linebacker. He's not a Sam. He was he's been a Mike his whole career so far. Right. Right. Okay. Now. I don't think it's ever been announced who the will and who the Mike is going to be. Not They've yet, never, right? and it really, that's not going to make the league differentiates between um, defensive ends and defensive tackles. But I think linebackers are all grouped together, but you know, you're going to look at the contract, the guy up at, uh, down at Indianapolis, Scott, um, who was drafted the same year, plays the same position, you know, things like that. There's there's going to be uh, comparables. Next question. Um, Jack Sanborn, that linebacker from Wisconsin, do you think he makes the roster? I got to believe that if he plays well on special teams, he's a must to have on this squad. I love the kid's attitude. Well, he's a he's a in my opinion he's a pure inside linebacker. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I know he can play Mike. I'm not so sure he can play Will, even though they're they're similar. Um, the Sam in this defense means nothing because the Sam isn't going to play that much. You know, it's um, a lot of times you're playing a four-two-five. You're playing right. in a sub. And so it's your Will and Mike in there, and the Sam is not there. If they're playing with three linebackers, it's probably 15% of the time, maybe 20% of the time. And what these guys have said, and I totally agree, is that that guy, that Sam, has got to be able to play Mike and Will. Mm. Because – and so – they they're going to, he's going to learn really both positions or at least two. And so they have to be interchangeable parts. Uh, we got to see the versatility of Sanborn. Yeah. Special teams are going to play into it. And we'll talk about more of this as we get later in the preseason. Right. But when you're putting together your 53 man roster, it's not necessarily your 53 best players. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you, you have in your mind that, you, you know, like I've said this a thousand times, but you know, let's say you, you, you want six wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Five and six have to be able to play special teams. And you, you hope must. four, five, and six can play special teams. Something, mm-hmm. whether it's your returner, a gunner, or, or whatever. It goes down and, and, and uh, you know, he can stand over the gunner and – Anything like that. So the same thing with your backup linebackers. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys got to be premium special teams players. So if, if Sam Warren proves to be a premium special teams guy, even if there's another guy better, but he's not as good on teams, then chances are if Sam Warren makes the club because of his value on special teams. Well, I, I, somebody in the chat said, I can't wait to see him uh, tackle, make his first 
few tackles at camp because I think that there's going to be an echo effect when that guy gets pads on pads. Uh, I'm looking forward. I'm going to go out to a, a handful of practices and take take a uh, take a look. And so I will have firsthand knowledge as to how he is playing along with others, and we'll be reporting here on the Barroom Network. I think I got one more question for you. It is from Danger T. He says, what position you think the Bears should have addressed before training camp? You, when you look at this team, Greg, do you see like a position area that you say, wow, I wish uh, it could have landed you know, somebody to help with this position group, which is the weakest position group on this roster right now? I don't know if I'd call it the weakest position group, but I'd, I'd like to see another three. Mm-hmm. Uh, only because, you know, we lost the one guy in free agency and, and that, you know, because of the injury, now he's with the Steelers. Um, I, I, I'm just not totally sold. We, it's the right people. Now, maybe the coaches may be a lot more sold than I am, but they're around the guys. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, so. That's the only thing. And mm-hmm. there, are there a few out there on the street? Yeah, there's probably a couple, but there's time. And and the coaching staff might want to say, I want to see what, you know, when we get live, I want to see what some of these guys do. Yeah. And uh, then they're going to make some decisions. But that that's really the only thing, I think. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, the national media thinks the roster sucks. I don't think it's as, as bad as a lot of people make it out to be. It has been uh, interesting the last few weeks. It, it appears like the national media is just having fun piling on the Chicago Bears. Um, but we'll see if uh, if the Bears can quiet them once the season starts. Well, there's a lot of people that say they got the receipts. I don't, I don't need the receipts. You just remember. <laughs> exactly. But Alissimo has one that I'd like. Why is J.C. Treader, the former Green Bay Packer, former Cleveland Brown center, can play some offensive guard? Why is he still a free agent? Uh, I think he made a boatload of money last year. Mm-hmm. Don't think he played up to that money level. Mm-hmm. You know, I've said a lot. If you're making five million, you better give the you have to give the club back five million in production. Mm. Okay, you, you, otherwise you're you're not worth it to the club. And now, Mule Skinner says union rep. He's not a union rep. He's the president of the union. <laughs> I, I, I don't i I don't think that has anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. He's had a good career, but. 32 teams have had an opportunity to sign him mm-hmm. and they haven't signed him yet. It's the same thing with Schofield. 32 teams had the opportunity to sign him for the last four months. Mm-hmm. He got signed this morning, you know, so, you know, I don't want to hear, Oh, we just signed a guy that's going to be the difference maker. I don't know if he's a difference maker. He's a good football player. Yes, he is. Yeah. But, difference but let's, not, let's not overdo it here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I got a question here from uh, a nomad that I'd like to sneak in. Uh, do you think it's necessary to trade for a quality three tech if possible? 
I mean, it, these questions are always difficult to answer because they're so broad. You know, who, who, which player are we talking about? What do they want and return and so forth? But if you were in that uh, personnel department, would you be saying, hey, guys, keep an eye out for any quality three techs that uh, we could pop potentially pick up for a six-round draft pick? Uh, I, I don't think he's in the business of wanting to get rid of draft picks. Yes, I you agree. Know, um, number one, three techs are hard to find, you know, the, the right guy. In fact, you know, I've been doing some work for one of the, uh, player agencies, evaluating players for them on, mm-hmm. you know, just giving them an idea of what the guy is, where he's going to go based on last season. And I've come across a bunch that aren't three techniques at college, but mm-hmm. I think will be they're put it this way. You got to have a different kind of player to be a three tech in this defense. Right. And so, um, you know, and he's got to be athletic. He's got to be explosive. And so, uh, you know, I've come across a few and where I'm saying, wow, you put 15 pounds on this guy, he might be a hell of, there's a, there's a defensive end at, at Northwestern mm-hmm. that I did like two weeks ago. I said, there's a three technique, even though he's an end there, you know, he's about 265, 270. We'll get him up to 285. Mm-hmm. And in this scheme, he might be a pretty good three technique, but you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes you, you know, you got to go out and find guys mm-hmm. for that position. And whether they, you know, guys that are five techniques and stuff, they might not necessarily be the right kind of athlete that you want to play the three in this defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's fascinating, you know, you – of course, have developed that eye of, of looking at a player and projecting what position they can potentially play at. Um, and the three tech is, is, I mean, the guy with the Colts now, uh, what's his name? Buckner? Buckner. Yeah. He wasn't originally projected as a three tech, right? Well, he was drafted, what, second or third overall or something by, by San Francisco. I mean, he was, he was a very, very high first round pick. Um, He played inside defensive tackle and some defensive end for San Francisco. Mm -hmm. He's a big athletic guy. He's six, six. He's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And and a really good athlete. I I, I talked to Ballard right after he made that trade and I said, Mm -hmm. wow, you got a good one. He goes, Greg, I was sweating that one out for the last 10 days. (laughs) So that's how, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing that came together in one day. Right, right. They had been talks going on that thing back and forth for a while. Mm-hmm. And he goes, there was times when I didn't think it was going to get done. So mm-hmm. um, it, it, you know, going through guys so far, I had, there's a couple guys you're going to have to be drafting really high in the first round mm-hmm. to maybe get a shot at them. Um, and I'm not going to mention any names yet, but there's other guys that you got to project. Mm-hmm. Well, and, one of the guys that you've projected as potentially a, 
a really good three tech is Mario Edwards, somebody that you've yeah. mentioned. Well, he's match. played he's played, you know, five technique in, in, in the old scheme. Mm-hmm. He's very athletic, he's very explosive. Does he make mm-hmm. some dumb plays? Yeah. But <laughs> athletically, he's he fits the bill and he's strong. And he can get off the ball, and he's a good interior pass rusher. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he fits the bill. And Flus wants to have basically eight defensive linemen rotating during the course of a game. I got to look back and see if they had seven or eight guys active at, at Indianapolis last year because I've got, you know, there's a website I can go to to, to get that information. And it has oh. like the – it has the flip cards for every game going back to like 1985 or something. Mm-hmm. Well, let me recommend that people go to uh, Windy City Gridiron, uh, where uh, Greg is now one of their featured writers. His latest piece is called The Scouting Season May End at the Draft, but the new season begins right away. Uh, so uh, interesting read. And uh, you, are, you, are you doing weekly columns for them? going to do two a week. Awesome. That is great news for football fans and great Gabriel fans. Um, that's going to do it for our show. I want to just let people know that later today, it's going to be the double A team. They've got a great show planned. Uh, and then tomorrow, Dan and Aldo bear their souls with Johnny Santucci and Chris Watts from the Barfly Tailgate Show is going to join us. Uh, and then, Greg, you and I will be back here next Monday. We're going to settle into Mondays um, until uh, until we're told otherwise <laughs> by the okay. powers that be. So, uh, great, again, great uh, show. It's good to be back with you. And we'll uh, let everybody go with uh, our closing credits. Take care, everybody. See you later.